Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is here. The buzz is a quote from Tim O'Reilly. If you don't know who he is, he is the founder of O'Reilly Media, and he popularized the terms open source and web 2.0. That makes him a hero to a lot of people. He studied the classics and graduated cum laude from uh, Harvard College with a BA in 1973, and somehow he got involved in technical writing and started publishing computer manuals in a converted barn in Newtown, Massachusetts with a dozen employees in 1977. Anyway, in 1993, he just grew and got bigger and bigger, and he had a catalog called the Global Network Navigator, and he sold it to America Online in 1995. So here is the quote from Tim O'Reilly, empowerment of individuals is a key part of what makes open source work, since in the end, Innovations tend to come from small groups, not from large, structured efforts. So, a couple of key words in there. Empowerment is one. Small groups is another. But the key I want you to think about is the term open source. So, what's going on? It's 2018. Come on. It's in April already. We're past the first quarter. Whatever your industry is, whatever type of business you're doing, however big or small you are in the world of global digital commerce, it is time to shake up your status quo, change your business models because we're working in a digital marketplace and you have to drive business. You never know who's going to come into your sector and take away the business that you may have worked very, very hard to get. Technology. Let's look at technology. Can't live without it. It has been proposed. Proprietary, it has been monolithic, but in our hyper-networked economy, standards and open platforms need to proliferate. No, I'm not going to talk deep in the weeds tech talk today, but we're going to talk about the implications of open platforms on your company's IT landscape and on your business success. I have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure this all out, translate it into very human language. No, again, we're not going to go in the weeds today. We never do on Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and welcome so much to, let's see, this is episode number three of one of our newest series here in 2018 on Game Changers called Game Changing Business Model Disruption. And that really is a core theme running through many of our other Game Changer series. So let me tell you briefly who our panelists are, and then we'll get started. In a moment, I will be introducing you to a gentleman who's part of the sponsor team of this series, and he's been on with me before, Mark Gial, if you want to look him up, G-E-A-L-L, Senior VP and Global Head of SAP Cloud Platform Ecosystem at SAP. And joining us are two newcomers. We have Abby Kearns. She is the Executive director of a company called Cloud Foundry Foundation, and we'll be finding out from Abby what she does and what the company does in a few minutes. 
And rounding out the panel, another newcomer, Michael Wintergerst, W-I-N-T-E-R-G-E-R-S-T, if you want to look him up, VP and Head of Cloud Platform Core at SAP. So welcome to our three esteemed panelists. I know it's very early in the morning for Abby. We're going to wake her up. So Mark Gial has sent us a quote. I love this, Mark. A quote from Herbie Hancock. If you're too young to know who Herbie Hancock is, Herbert Jeffrey Herbie Hancock, born in 1940, well, that makes him kind of a young one as far as I'm concerned. He's an American pianist, keyboardist, band leader, composer, and actor. Uh-huh. His best-known compositions include Cantaloupe Island, Watermelon Man. Come on, you've all heard that. There was a version by Mongo Santa Maria, the band leader, many years ago, and the single I Thought It Was You, etc., etc., etc. He won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year uh, in 2007 for his tribute album, River the Joni Letters. It was only the second jazz album ever to win the award after Getz Gilberto in 1965, and I remember those days. Here's a quote. The spirit of jazz is the spirit of openness. Mark, what a beautiful quote to start the show. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you, and thanks for having me again. Oh, I'm delighted. Hey, you're one of the sponsors. I have to have you on the show as often as you want to be. And you're also very smart, and you work with Torsten Leiduck at SAP, who uh, he and I cooked up the idea for this series. So very happy to have you back. Tell me, how in the world did we get a quote from a jazz musician, composer, keyboardist, uh, Grammy Award winner on a show about business model disruption? Talk to me. Uh, it's, re- it's really about how bringing together sort of different ideas, different capabilities in, a, in an unstructured way can, can lead to great things. And in many ways, that's what open source is about. It's about getting different ideas, bringing them together and enabling them to disrupt. So, you know, jazz is a, is a good way of doing that in many ways. So you know what I want to do, Mark, before we, we go on with the quotes introducing Abby and Michael? I'd like you to just define open source. I've thrown the word around in my opening, and it was the concept in the quote I had from Tim O'Reilly. But in case anybody is wondering, what in the world are they talking about? Let's play to that part of the audience. How are we defining open source and open platforms for this particular episode, Mark? I'm probably the wrong person to ask. You should be asking Abby this, uh, but she lives, and she lives and breathes it every day. Um, I mean, from my from my perspective, open source is looking to a, a community of developers, a, a community of technologists that are coming together and you know developing a product, um, developing a platform. Uh, developing a capability, um, but but they're doing it because they they want to to create something that is great. Um, they don't necessarily want to make money from it. They just they just want to to learn from the community. They want to benefit from the different ideas that come from that community, and and hopefully build something that is that is better than a, a proprietary vendor might bring. So it's really about you know letting an open community go out and innovate build great products and then you know look at how you can bring that to market to to drive value Thank you. So, so that goes with my quote from Tim O'Reilly, doesn't it? The empowerment of individuals, that's what makes it work. Innovation from small groups, not from structured efforts. I think you hit all the high points. Are you happy with that definition uh, from Mr. O'Reilly, you think? I am, yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good way of, of how we think about the market today. Good. And tell me something. Are you a big fan of Herbie Hancock? No. <laughs> 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 well, well, we're off to a good. <laughs> we're 
we're off, <laughs> off to a good start here. Thank you very much, Mark. This is a very colorful opening to the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me that definition. Abby, I have to turn to you because you have been summoned by Mark. So, Abby Kearns, happy to have you here. Abby has sent us a quote. Abby, we thought this was from Rear Admiral Grace Hopper, but actually this is one of her mottos that she uses. She's been quoted as saying it, but it actually wasn't coming from her. The quote, let me just read the quote and I'll tell you who it's from. A ship in port is safe, but that is not what ships are for. Sail out to sea and do new things. It actually comes from a gentleman named John Augustus Shedd, S-H-E-D-D, an American author and professor who wrote Salt from My Attic in 1928. And then later in the 1980s, Grace Hopper was interviewed in a San Diego newspaper, and she said, this is a motto that has stuck with me. And the original word was a ship in port, and she changed it to, oh, she changed port. It originally was a ship in harbor. That was the original quote. So, Abby, I had to do my quote look up. Abby Currents, welcome, and how are you today? I am fantastic. I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're happy to have you. I know it's early in the morning for you. We'll see if we can we can pep you up there and you sound like you're wide awake. So, Abby, let's do a couple of things. Number one, talk to me about why the quote is important on our topic of open source and then tell us what's your definition of open source since Mark said you're my guru today. Talk to me. <laughs> well, I picked this quote, um, one, because I, I, I'm in, and even though it's not originally attributed to her, I, I am a, a huge fan of the work that Grace Hopper had, has done to really set the stage for where software is and the development of software and what does that look like. But more importantly, the quote to me really speaks to um, getting out there and doing new things and, and really driving that innovation. And as I think about what open source is, it's realistically, quite simply, it's collaborative R&D. So it's pulling together a lot of different organizations and a lot of diverse people to work on one thing. And when you bring together a lot of different viewpoints and perspectives, you're naturally going to get the most innovative and um, the best software when I think about open source software. And so when this quote to me really says, continuing to do new things, continuing to get out there and experiment and and really uh, drive that innovation leap. Thank you very much. I, I happen to love this quote, Abby. Uh, it just sounds like, Leave your comfort zone, right? Just go out and do something. And and tell me something. In the spirit of open source, Abby, when people come together and they're trying to make something happen that is not structured, that is not, let's say, not enterprise blessed, if you will, um, is there that concept of leaving the port and going out and, and doing new things, maybe getting on some rocky seas? Is there that adventure, that sort, that sense of, wow, we don't know what we're going to come up with, but we're going to sail out there anyway? What's your sense of that? Well, it, it is a, a grand adventure because it's, um, you know, to, to Mark's point about it's not proprietary software, it's, it's not, you don't have that level of control. And when you, you let go of that level of control and you're reliant on a larger group of people that aren't necessarily beholden to a single organization, then you don't have as firm of a grip on where that goes and how that evolves. And that's what I think is the the most important thing. And that's really where innovation comes from, is letting creativity come from a lot of different sources. 
Thank you very much, Abby. We're looking forward to a lot more from you. And when we come back around to the What's in Your Cup Today segment, I will be asking you all about Cloud Foundry Foundation. So thank you. And I see you or somebody in your organization is already tweeting at Cloud Foundry, and we appreciate that. So anybody who wants to take a peek at what we're tweeting, we're at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, and we're live. So here we go. Our third guest is Michael. Michael, remind me, am I saying Wintergeist or Wintergeist? How do you prefer your last name to be pronounced? Winter Gerst. Winter Gerst. Oh my goodness, I got that part wrong. Michael Winter Gerst. He is. He is with us. And Michael has sent me a quote. Well, it's it's actually less one of the less complicated names I've had to pronounce. So, Michael, uh, Michael has so many phone numbers. We've been trying them all, and we got him, and we're thrilled you're here. And Michael Wintergerst has sent me a quote from the recently departed Stephen Hawking. Anybody who doesn't know who he is, Stephen William Hawking, a lot of letters after his last name, C-H-C-B-E-F-R-S-F-R-S-A. He just passed away on March 14th. He was born in 1942, an English theoretical physicist, cosmologist, author and director of research at the theoretical cosmology with the university within the University of Cambridge uh, just a, a brilliant man a vigorous supporter of the many worlds interpretation of quantum physics and there is actually let's see he had a theory of uh, within the framework of general relativity and the theoretical prediction that black holes emit radiation it was called Hawking radiation very interesting man, and uh, he suffered with, with a terrible debilitating disease, and we know him in his many forms of progression of the disease, but we know him to be a brilliant thinker and communicator all the way to the end. Here is the quote, and it so is true. Intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. So officially, Michael Wintergerst, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Yeah, and the quote, I think it perfectly relates um, what we are doing in the open source environment. So seven years ago at SAP, we were doing on-premise software, right? So that was a typical model. Uh, techni- te- uh, technology companies were running their business, and it changed from day to the next day, right? So um, open source and also cloud computing completely re- re- revolutionized the business. And when we look what's happening in the cloud, we see new technologies occurring and coming up every day. And therefore, it's definitely the need um, for the individuals um, that they adapt to the change, um, so that they adapt uh, to the new learnings, to the new stuff which is happening. And in particular, in the open source community, a lot of stuff is happening. So you have brilliant uh, minds from different companies coming together, working on new ideas, and that's really happening every day. And therefore, it's key for us that we adapt to the change we are seeing in this kind of uh, business model. Thank you, Michael. Let me ask you a question. Does open source and this concept of of collaboration, as Abby was saying, the ship leaving the safety of port and going out, the uh, adventure of doing this together unstructured, are hackathons part of this? I'm just asking this as a completely curious question. Is a hackathon part of the concept of creating open source, Michael? Yes, definitely. Um, so it could be. It could be um, an alternative how, how you how you engage with open source. Um, of course, how we do that, for example, at SAP and in, in other ways, is really um, that we look around what are the problematic areas. Um, for example, platform development. And so something what we are doing, for, for instance, with uh, Cloud Foundry, and that we are working together with the other companies on those problems we have to address in the in the area of cloud computing and, and also um, uh, cloud foundations. Um, I think we're doing it more in a structured way, 
But of course, Hackathons is also a way how you can engage um, with open source and how to move it forward, definitely. Thank you very much. Abby, any comments you want to make on, on uh, my question to Michael Wintergerst about uh, hackathons? Anything you'd like to add there? Uh, no, I think, I think Michael really, really covered it, it well. A hackathons are a good opportunity to bring a bunch of people together really quickly to, to really foster that, that innovation leap and, and those innovation games and short cycles. So I think they're really awesome. Thank you very much. I'm glad they're awesome. I'm learning as long, along with our listeners. So let's circle back to Mark Eall. Mark, you know what time in the show it is. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, where are you today? And number two, what are you drinking right now if it's really interesting? Otherwise, what's your favorite drink that powers you to be so smart, Mark? That's a pointed question. Go ahead. Today I am in a very spring-like London. It's, uh, I think, our first proper day of spring today. Congratulations. And and tell me, what are you drinking? Or is it tea time there? What time is it? It's a 10.20 here in the east coast of the U.S. So where are you? What time? Yeah, it's, uh, it's 20 past 3. So it's, uh, it's, it's probably a little too early to be having a a glass of champagne, but today I was going to go for a Krug Grand Cuvée. Grand Cuvée, and the reason being is it, in many ways, is is what open source is all about. It's a it's a blend of 120 wines from 10 different vintages, and it's bringing together that diversity into something that excels year in year out. So that's what I have mm. in my cup, or I wish I had in my cup today. Oh, well, we're going to toast you with that later on. I think we'll all join in on a glass of that. It sounds wonderful. What's the name again? I want to write that down. Krug. Uh, it's Krug, K-R-U-G, and it's the Grand Cuvée. And my final all right, French I'm- accent. I'm going to look. Of course, it's got an accent agu on the first E. I know how to do that on my Mac keyboard, but not on my PC keyboard. Thank you very much. You've got me thinking about champagne now. And Abby Kearns, love to know where are you and what do you love to drink? And then tell us, what is Cloud Foundry Foundation, Abby? Well, I am in San Francisco this morning, and it's um, a little early, just after 7, so... Um, coffee is the order of the day at this point in time in the morning. Um, but I'll, I'll hold out for that Krug later this afternoon, Mark. <laughs> um, the uh, Cloud Foundry Foundation, we are an open source platform as a service. We are an open source foundation, which is comprised of, right now, 65 members, one of which is SAP, who is one of our founding members. And we are a little over three-year-old foundation, and we are chartered with um, holding and building the community and the technology and the ecosystem around Cloud Foundry, which is the its namesake and the, the platform as a service that's centered to everything that we do. Abby, tell me something. We, we have many of our shows where we talk about women getting into the tech field and the need for more. How did you get started in this field? It sounds like a brave new world. And, and what's your thought on STEM education for girls, getting them involved in science and technology at a very early age? Any thoughts on that? Oh, yes, and yes, and yes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I've been in technology 20 years now, so I, and I majored in and computer science in college, so it's it's something that I, I've always really loved. Um, but yeah, actually, it's something I'm super passionate about now. Um, 
is getting more women and underrepresented minorities into the tech industry. The tech is, industry is, you know, 20 years ago was a very different beast and was uh, really more of a, a you know, a, a side thing that some companies did. But mm-hmm. now technology is at the heart of every single company and every single industry. And it's becoming more and more critical and, and core to every business. And so getting more people to be part of that is um, not only um, important in that we have a diverse representation that are working on these problems, but it's crucial because as we start looking at things like um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and algorithms that will be defining a lot of our life going forward, having broad representation working on that is, is going to be crucial to make sure that um, things don't slip through the cracks and we don't bring in cognitive bias to the technology that shapes our world. Very well put. Thank you, Abby. I expected nothing less. I met you briefly last week, and I knew you were going to have some brilliant things to say. By the way, I was a woman in technology way back in the 1970s when we were key punching, and I had a degree in psychology, but I went back for graduate school to a community college in Oregon, believe it or not, and got two degrees in computer programming and operations. And the people in my class, Abby, there were so many that they made me wait two weeks to get a seat in the class. Uh, it was just catching on then. But we had people who had started a career in medicine and a career in architecture and careers in law and had decided that was not for them. So we were a bunch of late 20-somethings who had come from other disciplines and we were fascinated by computer technology. We learned to code in so many languages. We learned to put together our own compilers. And the college I went to hired me as a, they hired me to run a system for the community colleges of the state of Oregon right out of school. So it was, it was a wonderful world where there were those of us who were, we were grown up, Abby, in our late 20s because we'd come from somewhere else. And we all wanted to embrace this new thing called computer science. And it was a very, very exciting time. So I'm very, very happy to meet you. This means a lot to hear you say what you're saying. Yes, and there were many women in the class, by the way. And now let's move on to Michael Wintergerst. I have the name right. And Michael, where are you today? And what do you love to drink? Make me happy. Tell me something. <laughs> okay, so I'm currently in Germany. Uh, so I'm, I'm a German guy. So sitting in my office in Waldorf near Heidelberg. Uh, it's 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, so what I like, um, what I like, let's say, drinking is, um, of course, I'm a German, so that means we are easy guys. So a good German beer is perfect for us. Um, but of course, it's, it's very early in the afternoon. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a different drink uh, makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was a young, a young guy six years ago at university, um, I started with uh, somehow with a bad habit. Um, I started with a cappuccino plus double espresso um, because I was coding there at that point in time, um, creating some kind of it's a internet search engine. We have done some research with the famous uh, Google PageRank algorithm, etc. And there, um, there was definitely some need for energy, in particular in the afternoon and also in the in the evening. And therefore, I started with a bad habit, having a cappuccino with a double espresso <laughs> on top. And that's how I see it. Also, it was open source. Um, when you work together with a lot of people, of course, you need a lot of energy to work on tricky problems in order to get them solved. And and therefore, I really like that. 
Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you found your energy and uh, your bad habit really isn't that bad at all. So thank you very much. Mark Giel, I have a, a quick question for you. Mark, do you mind if we skip the break and just dive right into the roundtable? Because we're almost at half past and we have been talking and talking about open source. But I'd love to continue this and just barrel through. Is that all right with you, Mark? Absolutely, yeah. Good. Okay. Then we made an executive decision. We are skipping the break. So instead of my saying, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, I'm going to say, just stick around because we're just going straight through. So Mark Giol, I'm looking here at your notes and let's talk about your first topic here. I found it a little bit provocative. Uh, I'll have you talk for about two minutes and then I'll bring in Abby to comment on this and then Michael and then we'll pick a topic from Abby's list and then we'll get one from Michael. So Mark Giol says, open is good, proprietary is bad. We are in the sharing economy and there are significant gains to be made from crowdsourcing and open sourcing technology, but established vendors and customers are not necessarily ready. A lot of things in those statements, Mark. So why don't you unpack it for me, please? Um, I think think one of the underlying challenges um, that needs to be managed or, or addressed is is cultural change. Um, and I think sort of, you know, what's at the heart of this statement is is vendors and customers don't always want to give up control. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about how we can drive creativity and how diversity helps, but you're doing that at a loss of control. Um, and I think that is something that, that, you know, obviously needs to be balanced, but not, not all businesses are ready for. Um, you know, I think in many ways SAP has moved and progressed a long way in the last, you know, three to four years down this down this journey where, you know, we, as a good example, were, you know, always wanted to be in control. We knew what was best. We would tell our customers how they should operate, how they should run, and that's what was captured in our software. Um, today, you know, we need to listen. We need to bring creativity into the business. That's not to say we don't have creative people, but bringing these diverse views and diverse capabilities together, you know, drives creativity or spurns creativity, right? The, the lack of control and, and the lack of structure, I think, enables certain individuals to, to, to maybe develop um, in ways that they weren't able to before, but also it, it stops businesses from making the same decisions, right, or the same bad decisions. So, you know, you're, you're, you, you have this opportunity to, to win, but you, you can win at a, through a loss of control, and I think that's difficult for some people um, to, to, to take advantage of at the moment. Thank you very much. Provocative there. Abby Kearns, agree or disagree? Anything you'd like to add? I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, please. Um, I think I would like to add something to that. I think mm-hmm. um, when I think about proprietary versus open source, it also speaks to the shift in um, the way we think about technology and the way we think about abstractions of that technology. And the whole point of a platform as a service is really to uh, make things easier and really remove what I like to call undifferentiated heavy lifting from the mix. Basically, as a business, it doesn't make sense to spend your time, money, and people recreating the same solution that 12 other companies have. It just it doesn't make sense because it doesn't differentiate your business. It doesn't change the way your customers think about your business. And so by collaborating on common core technology solutions, you're able to leverage the cost and the expertise and do more faster 
but you're also not sinking all of that sole expense and effort in yourself as a company. And so that allows you to then really redirect that expenses and those people to work on things that do differentiate your business and do elevate your business. And I think that's the, the mix you're looking for is leveraging technologies that help you get to that outcome but don't necessarily differentiate you while really focusing on things that are interesting for your business. Thank you, Abby. Very interesting. And I have some questions to ask you. We come around to your notes here. Michael Wintergers, love to hear your thoughts. Agree or disagree? Add or subtract? Where are you, where are you sitting on this one? Although Mark is also coming from SAP, and um, I'm also uh, from SAP, I would, I would disagree to some of the statements uh, because proprietary itself is not bad, right? So, of course, SAP is a big enterprise company, so we are creating enterprise uh, solutions for our customers, and there, of course, we are co- creating proprietary solutions for our customers because that is the key differentiator of SAP in comparison to all the other guys outside, right? But there is a stack underneath, and that is the technology stack, like a platform, um, Abby mentioned. That is, of course, from our point of view, commodity, and there, Mark is absolutely right that um, um, open source here makes sense because we cannot differentiate as SAP, for instance, and also other companies see this in the same manner. So that means a lot of, let's say, sanitization is happening in the open source, and, and therefore it doesn't make sense that, we, that you create your own proprietary solution. And also when you look at speed and the velocity in the open source community, so there is so much speed, there is so much innovation happen, um, you cannot follow right, if you are doing that in a proprietary way. Uh, when you look at all the open source uh, frameworks created, uh, like Linux, like the Apache web server, etc., so a lot of innovation. So you never can do that alone within your company, right? So you need the complete community outside in order to have the speed, in order to have the right skill set, and therefore open source absolutely makes sense. But you have to look where you put open source in and where you have the competition uh, in your business. Interesting. Abby, you want to come back on that one? Happy to hear what you have to say back to Michael. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Michael. You should be thoughtful. <laughs> you should, and you, you shouldn't just say open source everything because you do, you know, to Michael's point, have to find something that is unique and special and differentiating for your business. And, and that's usually where, but that's where your proprietary focus should be in, on things that make and elevate your business. Thank you very much. Mark, you all, you want to comment on this? This was your topic before I move on to one from Abby. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think differentiation is, is, is key to Michael's point. And, and what we're seeing now, it's not just open source, but it's also the crowdsourcing element of the, of the statement that I think is important. You know, you look at what we're now trying to drive. It's, it's innovation through a broad ecosystem of partners to bring different capabilities. So, you know, what what we're doing now is is what Abby articulated, which is, you know, we, we, we leverage, you know, some of these standards, these open standards that are out in the marketplace, which enables us to innovate more effectively, but also enables our ecosystem to innovate more effectively. And I think what's interesting at the current time is is business models are under such pressure and there's so disruption you know, nobody has the answers, right? And, you know, how Mm -hmm. we thought a particular process or a particular capability should be managed or optimized 15 years ago isn't what's going to lead to business success tomorrow. So letting that crowdsourced innovation occur on a standardized platform 
where you're able to differentiate and enable to deliver more value, I think is critical. And I think, you know, that, that's, that's where we see the market going. And, and that's why we're so keen to, to work with partners that, that enrich and, and help differentiate and deliver more value at the end of the day. Thank you very much. Uh, Abby, I'm going to move on to some topics from you, but I have a question for you, Abby. Let me just read one of the statements I'd like you to talk about. You say all types of companies have to shift behavior to address digital transformation, and I know you wanted to give us a couple of case studies, Home Depot and Cone as good examples, and you say all are using open source as a driver for this change and mechanism for collaborating more effectively. But Abby, underlying this is my question, how do you put together the right people? To me, crowdsourcing is anybody okay. It's a free-for-all. Everybody just, you know, join in. Let your, put your dollar down. Uh, contribute your thoughts. Just, it's just catch as catch can. Que sera, sera. Is, I know it's unstructured, but in the spirit of open source, how do you pick the right people to be part of that process or don't you? Abby, can you help us define that a little better, please? Well, and that's why I don't like to use the word crowdsourcing because it does seem like, you know, okay. hey, you know, everybody yep. throw your, your two cents in. Uh, and I, yep. I like to instead refer more to collaborative. I like that too. We're welcoming of different uh, perspectives and contributions. And, you know, that's the role of an open source is to, you know, welcome those ideas. But there is, you know, it, it, it isn't a free-for-all. There is a lot of structure. And for, particularly for large um, technology initiatives, you know, like Cloud Foundry, is a very complex platform that that is very broad. And um, uh, you know, right now we have over we have nearly thirty two hundred contributors on the project. So that's a you know, it's a it's a pretty broad and complex thing. So we are taking a lot of contributions, but you know, there is a structure and a flow to it. But as I think about the role in an enterprise and why um, many of them are choosing open source as a strategy or as part of their core technology strategy, it's because they want to be able to be in control of their future and be able mm-hmm. to, to shape where technology goes for them as an organization now in a way that they haven't historically. And that's a really interesting correlation with the movement of digital transformation right now as well. Because technology is becoming much more a uh, core of a business, it, it makes sense that open source is part of that conversation as well because now your teams that are helping drive and shape your, the future of your company, you know, your developers, your product owners. Um, it also makes sense for them to contribute back and leverage open source technologies where it makes sense to elevate and, and strengthen those innovation leaps, but also be part of that process. And it, and it becomes a very, um, becomes much more of a virtuous cycle, but it also really helps change the culture of the business as well. Thank you. Good. I'm, I'm glad you differentiated those words. I was getting a little worried about that. Um, some words are some words are interchangeable and some are not. So, Abby, talk to me about these examples. You wanted to talk about Home Depot. You wanted to talk about a company called Cone, K-O-N-E, all in caps. What, what are the case studies here? Well, um, Home Depot is one I like to talk about a lot because I just I'm continuously blown away by the work that they're doing. Um, Home Depot um, is a, a big DIY uh, retail store in the U.S. that's really focused on helping homeowners um, do do work and do DIY work on their house. And so, you know, but they're also in the retail segment, and retail is really um, under an aggressive change across the entire industry right now. And you know, for a company like Home Depot, 
you know, for them, they worry about, you know, someone like Amazon selling more hammers than they are. Mm-hmm. And how do you compete against, you know, a company like Amazon? And for them, they had to figure out a way to bring technology, mirror that, really bring together the technology and their stores and their brick and mortar stores in a way to help their customers where they are. And, and that's really an interesting evolution of, of retail as a whole. But how they're leveraging technology has been really interesting, and they're, they're becoming very active in open source and leveraging open source in new ways because they're also, at the same time, transforming their business. They're um, developing applications. They're changing the, their e-commerce experience, but also their in-store experience and bridging those two worlds together for their customers. And that's really what I think is exciting, and I think that's where the technology can help the business change the way they think about their customers and the technology itself. Thank you. Very interesting. Um, Abby, we talk about, we just did a show on, um, what was it, rescuing brick and mortar the other day about trying to, you know, omni-channel, we talk about that all the time. But the concept, I think the show we did was, I'm trying to remember, it was uh, don't favor clicks over bricks. If you're, a, if you're a retailer who has both, don't give up on your brick and mortar because that walk-in in-store experience can be as important to your bottom line, if not more. And in many cases, retailers are still getting 98% of their income from their walk-ins, their brick and mortar. So don't get all enamored of, of the clicks and forego the bricks. You agree with that one, I assume? I, I do, but I think you also have to be thoughtful about how you bridge those two things. Because if you're also not making that that shift with the online experience, um, you are going to miss the boat and you're, you're, you're going to miss, you know, how customers that maybe go into the store but then order online. And how do you bridge those two experiences and make it seamless and useful and, and really cement your brand as someone that's being very thoughtful about how all this serves their customers? And I think that's the exactly. important differentiation. Yep. Yep, that was that was the gist of the conversation. Thank you, Abby. Michael Wintergrass, love to get your thoughts on. Abby's introduced us to a number of concepts, including this great case study of Retailer Home Depot, the DIY king, we'll say. So, Michael, thoughts, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so from my point of view, um, Abby is absolutely right. On the one hand side, also SAP started in the open source uh, uh, venture, by just consuming open source, right? Um, so that means we were taking all the stuff uh, we were getting in order to also accelerate um, our technology stack so that we can um, have a better offering to our customer in a much faster way. Uh, but then years ago, we started also bringing, again, the SAP into the open source community. So that means that we are now actively contributing to open source components, which are very important for SAP, and one of the uh, um, very important open source uh, frameworks are definitely Cloud Foundry. So there we are, a key contributor overall. And then it also makes sense for SAP, right? So we as a company, um, we would like to see, um, let's say, frameworks, components, which are absolutely important for SAP, also in the open source, right? So that also others can contribute to that, so that we, again, can leverage that in our components and that is also key for SAP, and that's also the change uh, we, we made over the last couple of years at SAP, that we, that we have to learn how to work with open source, not just consuming, but also contributing actively and bringing that into, into our technology stack. And that was also key for SAP to learn. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark, I'd love to get your thoughts, please. 
I mean, a, a couple of maybe a couple of thoughts here. One, you know, you look at uh, you look at Amazon, right? Amazon pretty much put major bookstores out of business, Barnes and Noble in the US, uh, Waterstones in the UK. Yet Amazon now last year launched its own bookstore, right? So you've almost gone full circle in there. They they wanted to think about that user experience. They Changed the layout of the stores. They didn't have all the books with the with the the um, the end facing you. They did it so you could actually see the cover and and look at what other things might you want to buy with that. So they they're trying to change that retail experience. So you know the industries are being disrupted, and you maybe even see you know the, the rise of of bricks coming back and and offering a different user experience. Um, so I think that's interesting. The, the other area, and, and it comes back to the, the the title of this overall theme, which is business model disruption, is mm-hmm. you know what we're now starting to see, and this is why this sort of collaborative effort and and this diversity of view is so important. Is that we're we're moving away from what I call sort of vertical solutions, right? I mean, you know, the difference between financial services and retail is less important today because you're now seeing oil and gas companies looking at how they can benefit from industry best practice in financial services or retail. So it's how do you bring, you know, these diverse capabilities together in new ways to deliver new value. And I think, you know, it comes back to why open source and diversity is key is if you look at this with a with a legacy mindset or a traditional mindset, you you sometimes miss those opportunities. And you know, you would have thought that that Amazon would have seen an opportunity to to bring back the bookstore. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Abby. I'm going to let you wrap this one up. Anything you'd like to add after comments from Michael and Mark? Um, no, I think we've we've really exhausted the fact that open source is is fundamentally changing the direction of many companies, but digital transformation is also really changing and influencing new cultures and new business models. Thank you very much. Yes, we have driven home that point. And now, Michael Wintergerst, I'm looking at your notes and a couple of terms in here you've thrown at me before the show. I'd like you to explain. I don't think we covered them yet. You say organizations are overhauling their IT landscapes by combining open source, open standards, virtualization, and containerization. Michael, can you give us a little level setting on these terms, please? Yeah, so um, when we look what's happening, for for instance, in the cloud, um, I think all those four topics, open source, open standards, virtualization, and containerization are key topics. Um, so virtualization, containerization, that is more, uh, let's say, technology aspect um, when it comes to TCO, how you manage cloud landscapes, um, how you create cloud services and their virtualization is really a means in order to leverage uh, your hardware system in its most efficient way, right? And and containerization, let's say some kind of virtualization. It is a cheaper TCO mechanism for achieving virtualization and, again, using the hardware in its most efficient way. And that is also cloud computing all about. Uh, So you have a bunch of hardware, you're creating software on top, and you, you would like to get most out of that. And... What is happening there in the cloud is really that the complete IT department um, have to learn uh, that open standards and open source are not bad, right? So that is really key in that area. Um, so open standards, when it comes to collaborating with other companies, um, um, it starts already with the Internet, right? So there's this nice TCP pro- protocol, right? It is completely shared um, between all the organizations. The specification is open. 
So without open standard, this kind of collaboration between the different companies would not be possible at all, right? And therefore, open standards are an effective means in order to communicate between companies, to do business between the companies. I think Mark mentioned also uh, business networks. That is only achievable if you have open standards. And again, open source is a mechanism in order to implement them, right? And uh, get also people behind those topics and therefore all of those four topics are key when it comes to cloud computing, when it comes to collaboration between companies and to run your business um, in the future. Thank you very much. And before I let you go, Michael, and go around the table, there's one more thing here. You have something called Joy's Law. You say when you start a development yeah. project, you'll never have all the needed human resources and skill sets. But if you think globally, think big, that it's not just for one company, you can open it up. Developers get a chance to participate and everybody benefits. So talk to me. Who originated this Joy's Law? Yeah. So Bill Joy was... Um Sun Microsystems co-founder, and he and he made, made this statement, and I think it's it's absolutely true what he said, um, because when you start now a development project, um, also at SAP, although SAP is a huge, large company, right, you are still missing resources, you are still missing skill set. Oh, for sure, you have you have people who are deep in some in some area, um, but for a complete open source project like, for example, the Cloud Foundry. Um, stuff, you are missing skill set and resources, right? And uh, that applies to all the companies, right? And when you now bring together guys from SAP, guys from other companies like Pivotal, like, like IBM, like Microsoft, and when those companies are working together on open source projects, of course, you can have a much better uh, a scope you can, uh, you can achieve with such kind of projects, right? And that is what Joy, Joy's Law is all about, right? So you're missing all the, let's say, skill set, all the resources you need in a single company. But when you bring together many, many different technology companies and that they're working together on a certain development project, you achieve a lot more. That is a, that is a more or less the statement um, that Joy made. Thank you very much. Very valuable statement. Let's circle around to Mark Giel. Mark, thoughts on Joy's Law or anything that Michael shared with us, please? Um, no, I mean, I, obviously, uh, Joy's Law is, is something that, that, that seems to, to hold true. I think what's more interesting is Michael was talking about a number of technologies that, that effectively are enabling the cloud and are, the, you know, are almost the building blocks of cloud computing. Um, but why is this important? I think why is it important is because it, it's turning compute into a utility, right? What, what we've seen in the last decade is, is you know, this dramatic reduction in costs um, relating to, you know, computing capabilities, technology access, um, to the point now where, you know, you can spin up an instance on Amazon, you know, pretty much from your, your mobile phone if you want to. So what this is doing is it's driving accessibility, it's reducing the cost dramatically, and it's enabling technology now to move into areas that, that, that maybe we, we didn't think about before. And that, that drives access and, and accessibility. And I think, you know, that is, that is very, very powerful because, you know, it's, it's, it becomes ubiquitous. It becomes something that, that, you know, enhances all aspects of our life, but also all aspects of business and, and, you know, it's an exciting time because of that. 
Certainly is. And Abby, I'll give you the last word on this because we're almost ready for our prediction. So Abby Kearns, thoughts on Bill Joy's law. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like it all kind of ties back to the central theme we've had here, which is really the, the purpose and the the capabilities that open source brings and the ideas around that is, is bringing that collaboration to the table and enabling that collaboration to drive real innovation gains. And that happens both in open source, but even in the, your company and the teams you're building and how to build really high functioning teams that are really invested in the outcome. Thank you. Abby, I have a question for you before we go back to Mark for starting our crystal ball predictions round. I'm, I'm hearing all of you talk about the idea of collaboration and bringing different companies, different developers to the table. It reminds me of the concept uh, that IDEO started about design thinking, where you bring people from different backgrounds to the table to what we used to call brainstorming, and now it's more of a, a semi-structured process of we get in a room and we all contribute relevant relevant thoughts and ideas about a goal from our backgrounds. Do you think that that is the underlying concept of the open source we've been talking about? Well, I would, I wouldn't say that it's part of the concept, but I say that it works um, very much in tandem. I, you know, I'm a big fan of ideas, design thinking process and, and how mm-hmm. to really bring uh, a diverse set of, of people to a single table and really out of that, um, you know, define a direction and ideas and a path forward that um, pulls all of those ideas together. And I think um, it's very much in align with open source, but it also works alongside that to really make that the best possible outcome. Thank you very much. Mark Giolp, you've had plenty of warning. It's time for the crystal ball predictions round 52 after I can give you each about 60 seconds. I know you'll probably each take about 90 and that's okay. We have a little bit of wiggle room in here. So Mark, look into the crystal ball. How far out would you like to go and talk about our topic is digital disruption, business model disruption, winning in an open technology world. What will or won't change and how far in the future are you looking? Mark Giolp, I'll give you 60. Go ahead. Oh, I'm probably looking, I'm hedging my bets five to ten years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we see an increasing shift to the edge. I think, you know, innovation will happen so quickly um, that it will. it's very difficult to, to contain and stand the product. So you'll see these communities of innovators coming together that will build new capabilities very quickly. It will be tried, it will be tested, it will fail or it will be successful. Um, so you'll see this sort of cycle of, of, of innovation occurring at the edge, some of which will become standard and some of it which will die. Um, and this will be a, a, new, a new type of software um, and a new way of, of accessing technology for corporates and consumers. Thank you very much. Very well put. So five to ten years out, I think you said, Abby Kearns. Abby, he was very concise. I can give you a whole 90 seconds. So what would you like to tell us about the future of open source, Abby? Um, I'd say really succinctly, open source will become a core part of every business and every industry. Um, and over the next couple of years, we will start to see more of the enterprise users becoming very active and leading a lot of the innovation gains that happen. Thank you very much. That was very concise. I appreciate that. And, and what's the future for your organization? Where will you be in five to ten years? Hopefully, Cloud Foundry will be the underpinnings of everything. 
Ooh, I like that. Okay, very well put. And now let's go to Michael Wintergerst. Michael, how far out in the future would you like to take us and what do you see in terms of this whole concept of collaboration, of open source, of bringing different companies in, bringing different minds to the table and hopefully everybody continuing to win? Michael? Yeah, I think from my point of view, proprietary stacks, technology stacks, definitely that. Right, so open source, uh, we see that all over the place. Um, from my point of view, that will also drive new business models in the future. Mark mentioned edge computing, so getting away from the centralized uh, cloud infrastructures into more decentralized communities around edge, definitely a new business model. I would like, or I would say, will be available in the next five to ten years. Also, business networks. I think that is also a topic due to the fact that we see more and more open standards. Um, that we also see an increasing number of business networks. I think that is definitely something I would like, I would I would say will be there in five to ten years from now. Thank you very much. And I want to get one more prediction here. Uh, Mark Eol, I'm going to put you on the spot here since you are working with Torsten Leiduck on this series, Game Changing Business Model Disruption. Can you predict what our next topic will be in a couple of weeks? Do you have anything planned yet for us? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I can. So, the, oh, good. We're going to do we're going to do, do a session on new platform business models, um, looking into things like IoT, looking into things like machine learning, and and how this can disrupt existing business models, um, and you know what ultimately what impact is there going to be. Um, on on corporations and and the way they operate themselves, and we're going to have one of our leaders from SAP uh, who runs the ecosystem for our IoT business, and we're going to have another executive who runs our business model innovation uh, group. So it uh, should be an interesting discussion. Very nice. You want to drop some names who those people will be, or are you still in the invitation process? Well, maybe if I if I call the names out, then they'll be forced to come, won't they? Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> so what, Neil Tersberg, who, who runs the ecosystem on the IoT side, uh, Klaus von mm-hmm. Regan, who runs our business model innovation team, and Bernie Pargel, who is on my team and uh, is responsible for some of our key strategic partners. Sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to meeting them all in a prep call between now and then. I think we have three or four weeks before the next show. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's certainly been a pleasure, and I've learned a lot. I hope all of you have, and I have to do a shout-out to our very loyal listeners all over the world. There are many, many hundreds of thousands of you who are telling us through, not through your feedback, but by your loyal listenership that you like the formats we have. You enjoy this very authentic, unscripted roundtable, free-for-all, if you will, on themes and topics that are important to businesses all over the world. So I say thank you. So here's my shout-out to Aaron, our engineer. Aaron, it's the end of our broadcast week, but I'll be talking to you tomorrow for our weekly Digitalist Briefings recording session. And Monday we have a pre-record for our series, one of our most popular series, Internet of Things with Game Changers. So I'll see you then. I have a shout-out to everybody. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mark Giall, just like Abby Kearns at Clownfest. Cloud Foundry Foundation, and just like Michael Wintergerst, SAP. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Business Model Disruption. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, 
Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.